0: Hello again, everybody, and welcome to Chino e Chicano. I'm Matt uh, Chan, the Chino. I'm Enrique Serna, the Chicano. Well, coming up, we're going to talk to a veteran Seattle school teacher, Althea Chow. She has been teaching in the Seattle School District for um, over 20 years. But what she faced over uh, the past couple of years in dealing with COVID has uh, led her to take a break from her teaching. Uh, we're going to talk to her about the toll it took uh, on her mentally, physically, emotionally. And Matt, uh, you know this
1: story well because she's your daughter. It was a fascinating thing to watch. Uh, I mean, she's taught for over 20 years and the transition the teachers had to make once the pandemic started was amazing. I mean, you know, people talk a lot about the essential workers like, you know, hospital staff, grocery store workers, you know, all the frontline people that were praised when the initial pandemic hit. Not so much now, right? But one group that they just forgot about were teachers and what they had to do to scramble because the surprising thing we asked her is like how much time did you have to get ready and the answer was surprising. Very interesting too in this
0: story that because she also encountered health issues that you had to wonder whether they were prompted by the fact she was feeling so much stress uh, trying to you know meet the demands of uh, dealing with COVID and yet teaching at the same time. A lot of times we forget the teachers they are so committed to what they do, and to the children they serve. That is definitely your daughter, maybe uh, too much so, huh?
1: Yeah, because I don't know if it was so much induced by the job, but it definitely was symptoms were ignored because the dedication to the job. That's why teachers need praise and they need support. I mean, they should be paid way more than they are because of what they have to do.
0: Yeah, and valued much, much more. All right, let's hear now the story of Althea Chow. Althea Chow, welcome. Good to have you with us.
2: Hi, thank you.
0: So give us your background as a teacher.
2: Yes, so I have been a classroom teacher at the elementary level for 20 years. Sometimes I I can't believe it's been two decades, but this year I am taking a leave of absence, part of the decision had to do with pretty rough school year last year in which kind of lost sight of priorities, including personal health. Spoiler alert, my appendix burst and I Ooh. kept working anyway for <laughs> 10 days. And so that was kind of a, a signal that I did need. And, you know, my husband sort of um, let me know too, like, yep, this is going to need to happen. Let's take a break to step back and, and uh, kind of re-evaluate everything. So, Twenty years of classroom teaching. We have two kids of our own now, fifth grade and seventh grade. So I did go down to halftime teaching. I did a job share for the the years that they were babies, a couple of years there. But other than that, haven't had a break. Other than you know, everyone says teachers get summers off, blah blah blah. But um, it's it's true, and it's a it's a major privilege. It's like that restorative time that teachers all teachers
1: really need. Let's get the, the timeline going, right? So kind of new COVID was happening in certain spots of the world, specifically China. And I know that, you know, we were entering into the holiday season and it was kind of there. And, and all of a sudden, after the first of the year, I think that was what, I've lost track of time, like 2019, beginning of t- 2020. So what had you been hearing? I mean, from the school district, how did they prepare you guys to say like, this could get really bad. Or, or did it just kind of go immediately into scramble mode?
2: Immediately into scramble <laughs> mode. I think we, we always knew, you know, okay, we're going to need to keep keep an eye on cases rising. Everyone was, you know, but it really was day of at lunchtime, scramble for that afternoon. You're going to need to make sure students have enough instructional materials, books and whatnot to last them two weeks because we're closing down for two weeks. It's always kind of awkward you know to, to be the one to deliver that news to students. In the beginning, it was like, woo, you know, unexpected free two-week vacation <laughs> from school. Everyone was celebrating in some way. and uh, I have this image of uh, my students rushing the classroom library. I've got this, you know, very fortunate to have this rich librarian built up over the years. and anyway, uh, when I said take however many books you think you can carry, you know, it's got to last you two weeks. I had one girl had like two bins. It was like a Black Friday experience. <laughs> so it was like a lot of energy, but unknowns and teachers came together to try to put together some quick math game packets. And it was a scramble for sure. And then um, came the news shortly after. I don't exactly remember how far into the two weeks, but then it became, oh, now we need to prepare for one month and, and uh, soon enough the rest of the school year. So we had to pivot. And uh, yeah, just (laughs) it's a little bit crazy.
1: So you teach in West Seattle and demographically for the entire Seattle school district. It's a little more affluent or middle class, right? But some of the other school districts, how did they deal with the lack of technology and broadband access for kids? I mean, what was going on that way?
2: In the beginning, it sounded like a lot of schools, ours included, relied on having access for students to have access um, to learning packets. So the district was able to get together some some you know hard copy packets and they they put stacks of them at the different meal pickup sites so they could continue providing a uh, free lunch, you know. Um, and so I thought that was a great resource. I don't know how many went over to, to pick those up. I don't you know how, but at least it was there. We could also, if people had printers at home, you could print that off. But yeah, I'm not sure how much everybody was able to continue learning that the rest of that school year because of the challenges to Technology access, for sure, that was an issue.
0: How about the technology part of it? I mean, were you prepared at all to handle this to do that remote teaching?
2: That first spring when we were scrambling, um, not not so much. I mean, we had. To, I think it was very specific to each teacher's prior knowledge and comfort level with technology. So, right there, um, not every student is going to get the same type of interaction with their teacher. The requirements weren't very clearly laid out in terms of how much time we needed to spend with students live. You know, back then we didn't have teams in place or, or maybe we sort of did, but there were so many <laughs> glitches that it was not an effective way to teach. It was more of like back in, you know, that March to June, 2020 was more of, um, if you can put together a video of you know a math lesson and somehow share it with families great you know that's like the minimum we're asking or not even that it was pretty loose in terms of expectations and grateful for that in a way because that would have been a lot of pressure and yeah, everyone which is in survival mode at that point but the flip side to that was there weren't systems really in place for teachers who didn't have as much experience with video production or you know um being able to navigate different online communication platforms you know we tried zoom we tried webex and then there were policy restrictions and this it was just a mess so we did what we could so
0: you were everything was by the seat of your pants
2: yes Absolutely. <laughs> and for the
0: students, what was it like for them? They might have more experience than you as far as uh, handling video stuff or being online, but then some might not have any or even access to a laptop.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, things got a bit better in the fall, but speaking to that first, you know, that first part um, before we had the summer to to do more planning and you know before the district could. push out like all of the laptops and all in the in that spring. Um, What I was seeing with students uh, just yeah varying levels of engagement you know I could tell that students are kids are very perceptive and emotionally in tune you know all the uncertainty going on in their own homes they're absorbing some of their parents stress and anxiety about just like you know now all of a sudden they're working from home they have their children there a lot of the parents were feeling like now they have to be homeschool or, you know, teachers. And um, so we tried to take as much off their plates as we could, I guess, uh, in providing some sort of checklist of these are activities you could do, you know, structure in that way, but it still was very piecemeal. Um, so, you know, kids were, I, I provided a, a half an hour um, every day where it was sort of an open, Um, live, you know, kind of zoom meeting for students in my math class, who, if they wanted to have just some small group instruction or just to check in, it was optional. Um, And it seemed like it was always the, the same four or five kids who did that. And they, they really weren't there for the extra math instruction. Like It was really about socializing.
1: So you're into the fall, right? So you have sort of a process in place. So everybody's kind of accepted their fate that this is going to be online this year. So what are some of the good stories? I mean, what are the kids trying to pull on you as a teacher? Because, you know, that's always the, the the tension, right? Like, how much can we get away with? I mean, it's got to be some hilarious stuff that happened.
2: I think one of the, the most unexpected ways that kids were kind of... Um, trying to, you know, seek attention, I guess, where they would, in the chat, they would like spam these little images and GIFs of SpongeBob and, you know, do these videos <laughs> of themselves and, you know, close up picture. There was one kid who, um, very, very great idea, I have to say, but they, they took a screenshot of themselves, you know, with their regular veteran background and everything and then, uh, but that was then their virtual background. So it looked like they were there. <laughs> and they weren't even, <laughs> the camera was off.
0: But at what point did this become a grind, I guess? It's enough that you have to deal with a, a pandemic because, I mean, I would imagine teachers feel the impact as much as the students do.
2: I think in the beginning, you know, in preparing for the fall teachers, or I can speak for myself, we just kind of preparation mode, you know, where we're just collaborating with colleagues and just trying to get as much Information on how to deliver instructional material effectively, just you know, really just trying to be proactive. Um, but then as things settle in, you know, you do what you can with building relationships with students. And, um, well, Seattle Public Schools, uh, called the first couple of weeks this uh, strong start. So the idea was to focus more on the social emotional learning. And, um, so I was really glad to see that that, that was honored and they had, um, Pre, you know, produced like um, PowerPoint presentations available for teachers. I don't know that it was widely shared. Like I just happened to find it myself as I was looking for um, anything really to to help me through that you know talking with students about what's going on in the world and helping them through their emotions and letting them know that you know i'm here and you know we even had a student contract covid and he had to quarantine oh. in his own bedroom but so it was a, a lot of stuff going on then when you get into the you were past that couple of weeks you know um you're still dealing with lots of technology hiccups i mean lots and lots of them um and that that's frustrating but kind of comes with the the format, I guess, but you're just it's like, well, this is it. We're 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 in it for a while. Yeah. So we gotta do what we can. And in the fall, late fall, I I thought I got um food poisoning. It was really sick on Friday evening. And um long story short, it turned out to be appendicitis. And I didn't recognize that um, you know, those symptoms, I just thought it was a food bug. And um and then sort of the you know, fever and everything aches and pains, it didn't go into my back, like didn't let up. And then I had experience of intense, intense pain. Like I, I wasn't sure quite what was happening, but still didn't piece it together that it could have anything to do with my appendix. I continued, I, took, I think I took that mon- next Monday off. It's hard to, to, I mean, we were lucky to have a, a good uh, substitute teacher who knew our building well and the, kind of the system's So I was, you know, and also thinking, well, I'm at home, I can just, I can do it, you know, I don't feel well, but I am not going to give this, whatever I have to anyone. And it's probably food poisoning anyway. So again, it's not contagious. So I just kept working that, that week. And it was probably about 10 days after that first being sick that I finally went to the doctor and they ran some tests and finally sent me down to radiology at Swedish. And it's never a good sign when the radiologist comes out and asks you to Comes over somewhere private. My husband and I were, you know, all our minds racing about, well, well no, what do they find? And she said, uh, you have a ruptured appendix. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then it was it into it being a secondary infection uh, that was spreading and that I, you know, basically sepsis. So um, I, yeah, rough fall <laughs> health
1: wise. Wow. A lot of talk have been made about, you know, just development and the kids' education. Do you see that there's going to be any lasting holes in kids' education from COVID? I mean, are, is is there any kind of systemic breakdown as far as the education system? Even though everybody tried their best to go through, I mean, it's inevitable that it isn't perfect. How do you think kids are going to fare from this? I mean, are there going to be any lasting
2: effects? I think there's actually more of a hope that some of the innovative strategies teachers used to connect with students and deliver material and um, hear from more diverse voices, you know, in not just the kids who always raise their hand or whatever. And with technology, I could get more students involved and sharing their ideas through typing in the chat or making a a video and posting it on our learning uh, management platform, which was Seesaw last year. And so there were a lot of educators were hoping that the opening of school this fall would see some positive changes for in terms of reaching more students, change real changes, positive changes in equity and you know the way that instruction is delivered and how the school system is modeled. I don't know, you know I'm not in the classroom now from from what I hear. I mean it, it's still pretty much <laughs> gone back to the same, structure you know it's hard to you know decades and decades of this is the way it is you know we teach these we have this amount of hours instructional time that you need to do for this subject and this subject there just isn't a lot of time to for um for more student creativity and and their voice and, um so I don't I don't know about gaps in learning and that sort of a thing long-lasting effects um I think the teachers this year are trying to fill academic gaps anyway, you know, just the they their skill to, to do that. Like every every year, there's going to be a range of abilities for, you know, whatever it is, grammar or math skills. And so that's something teachers are used to doing anyway. But I think what um, is is harder to put, you know, harder to asses- harder to assess and harder to know exactly the right approach is is more of the what's it doing to students with their social interactions. And you ask any kid, you know, how is how was your day? What's your favorite part of the day? I mean, it's it's tends to be related to social interactions and, and being really active and that through all this a positive that could come out of it is more of an emphasis on social-emotional learning, social-emotional health of students, mental health of students um, and teachers. How about your own kids?
0: What have you seen as to how they've handled all this? My
2: daughter, when we first um, shut down for the, the two weeks and you know, that whole thing, in March 2020, she was actually a third grader in my own class. So... Um,
0: <laughs> for, wow, there's an interesting
2: setup. Right? For better or- <laughs> yeah don't ask her who her favorite teacher is because the, the answer will be different whether or not her mother's in earshot right yeah our son that first year when we closed down he was a fifth grader and so you know he was part of that class that really missed out on kind of the fifth grade promotion ceremony and so those those you know milestone closure so i mean just like high school seniors out there i really feel for them it was tough. And then, you know, we had a summer break, so that was okay. But then it's like, yeah, I get his first year of middle school. Starting that remote was um, not easy in middle school. It's not really cool to turn your camera on. So uh, <laughs> he didn't really get to, to know very many people. He saw the names. It was funny when school did open back up twice a week for middle schoolers um, in the, later in the spring and April. It was, he actually got to see some of these kids face-to-face face and, you know, it was like, oh, that's what so-and-so looks like. And it's, it's funny, we finally saw. Um, but, you know, I think my own kids, they've been able to keep up in terms of academics. Part of it is just, I don't know, my husband and I just kind of just want to make sure that that doesn't slip for them, I just supporting them socially. With with distancing, making sure that they're still connecting with friends outside of school.
0: Let me ask you about the political things that have been out there: issues over masks, issues whether kids should wear masks in school, issues whether school should even be held right now. The kids should be back in the classrooms. Parents, you know, coming to school board meetings and uh, acting like idiots and melting down. I, I guess I'd like to know how how you feel about that, but also what you hear from other teachers.
2: Well. I mean, parents got to a point where they just wanted their kids to go back to school, no matter what, you know, I mean, they, they of course, care about the personal safety of their own children. I, I stay away from school board meetings, and <laughs> it's too stressful. Yeah, I don't, um, for, from either the teacher or the parent standpoint, I mean, certainly, I want to be in, um, in the know of what's, what people are feeling, but um. But I, I just try to, you know, what's in the what's in my little circle of control here, you know, um, that's what I focus on. Otherwise it's it's just too much.
1: But you know, one of the things that people don't realize is, you know, everybody I thought the essential workers, you know, the frontline medical people, they they were applauded for being valiant and heroic, but teachers had a hard road. So what do you want to say to people that harass teachers that don't think they're worth the money they make, which is ludicrous at at best, is what what do you want them to know about what teachers had to go through and what they can do to support teachers?
2: Well, speaking for myself and teachers, I know whole heart is there in their job and Although there may have been holes in the system and things that were inconvenient for families and and all of that, we might not have been able to meet every student's needs, every family's needs. Of course, that our hearts have been in it are still in it. We care deeply about the success of each of our children or our, our students. I mean, our students become our children, not just for that school year, but you know, I I, I still feel like. I, just this joy when I see a former student, you know, on, on the playground when I'm picking up my daughter, or you know that it's we're we're in it, we're partners with we're, we really want to be partners with families, and so be, be patient, continue to be patient. Uh, We're human. (laughs) We're human. So be kind with what you comment, you know, whether it's on social media or the school board meeting or whatever it is, just we're human too.
0: The year that you're taking, any thought about, is this still something you want to do?
2: Yeah, I'm reflecting on that every day. Yeah, this year is mostly about personal growth in terms of work, life, family balance, which I know a lot of people struggle with, but... um, particularly with moving sort of the classroom in our own home, it was a lot harder to maintain those boundaries of these are my work hours. And these are, it was really difficult, you know, for my husband, for my kids to, to know that mom is here, where, where is she? So, you know, there were many times where um, I just wasn't feeling present and that was really difficult, you know, to try to be everything I, I want to be uh, as a teacher and as a, as a school leader, you know, helping colleagues with some of their, their systems and uh, working together so, so we could get through this and, and deliver great instruction. So I think about, about that, just me, making sure that if I do return to the classroom, that it's with a different mindset and making sure that I have priorities like my own physical health and then, you know, family time, you know, and work time boundaries that's laid out better so that it is more sustainable I see the st- statistics about uh, the number of teachers percentage of teachers who either say in the survey in a survey that they are thinking of leaving the classroom or some who do I at least um, am able to take this as a leave of absence so I have my position at my elementary school available to me um, but I need to decide by the end of February whether or not I want to do that and I'm not sure you know I, it's um, even with whatever personal work I can do to, to be in a better mindset and returning, it's still also just the nature of the job. It's just, it's, it's craziness. <laughs> I recently heard about this position. I didn't even know it was a thing, but it's like certified life coach, but for children, you know, in that setting, you can work one-on-one or, or with small groups and you can set your own schedule and um, kind of build a business. And so that's one of the things I'm thinking of that could be more manageable for, you know, my um, family's needs and, where I could still connect with um, students and help families with their learning journey. Ms. Chow, thank you so
0: much for uh, taking the time to uh, join us and to talk about your own personal experience. And hey, good luck. I, I know you'll make a good choice. Oh, yeah. Thank you.
2: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. We
1: want to hear from you. Reach out to us on Twitter at Enrique Cerna and at Lofanland for me, Matt Chan. You can also email us at chinoichicano at gmail.com and check out our Chino Ichicano page on Facebook. Our theme
0: music was composed and performed by Antonio Gomez. You can find the Chino Ichicano podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher and other favorite podcast platforms. Please take a listen, download, subscribe, and give us a review. If you'd like to watch our conversations, we're posting them to YouTube. Go to search and type in Chino y Chicano. I'm Matt Chad, the Chino. I'm Enrique Cerna, the Chicano. Stay safe out there. Wear your mask in a crowd. Please get vaccinated. We'll talk more later.